slip it in. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We got myself, Ben, Josh, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneplet kicking it with you today. We're going to start with the RBC Heritage from this past weekend in South Carolina. What a win from our boy Jordan Spieth in a playoff against Patrick Cantlay. He hasn't won in a while, and what a better way to get into that winner's circle. Coming up this week, we have the Zurich Open, a two-man event at TPC Louisiana, If you like alternate scoring formats, you're going to love this one. We got four ball. We got alternate shot. We got some incredible teams. We got country men teaming up with each other. We got old college roommates teaming up with each other. Lots to talk about. We'll unpack it all as we look forward to this week. Thanks for being here, and let's have a great episode. What a great week at the RBC Heritage. Jordan Spieth getting it done in a one-hole playoff with Patrick Cantlay. Cantlay pretty unlucky to catch a a fried egg, as the golf term is called, where the ball is kind of slightly below the surface of the sand and you can't really get your club under it. Uh, Really didn't have any chance to get up and down in the playoff hole. Jordan almost jars another bunker shot on Sunday, which he did earlier. So um, I think that... I think the big topic here, Dub, is that Jordan pretty much won an entire tournament, a PGA Tour event, by not even using his putter. His putter was atrocious this week. He lost... How many shots on the field every round? He literally out-ball struck the entire field all week. Yeah, I think his first quote when he came off the course after his victory was, I just I can't believe I just won without a putter. Because he infamously three-putted or whatever from 10 feet, missing a foot-and-a-half putt on 18 on Saturday. He lost like three or four strokes throughout the tournament. I, I mean, it. that's the trend for the season for him. I mean, his magic was always in the putter. It seemed like he could make things from anywhere. And just this season, he's towards the end of the pack with the tour and, and how he's putting. So it's just kind of interesting to see his game evolve. And as he really works through this swing change, I think he's just neglecting that putter. And so it's it's really starting to c- catch him. But, I mean, he pulled out a victory this week. How so. good is that swing right now, right? <clears throat> it's working for him. But it's, it's kind of crazy. I was listening to, I don't know if it was on the podcast, reading an article, but like the, the ups and downs in his putting game is just absurd. Like obviously when he was hot and like I think it was 2014, 2015, like – he was among like the best putters, and then like of like it, all time of all time, yeah. And then just a horrible, horrible drop off, and then up again, like randomly. Like I'm sure he, when he won, you know, one Christian calendar ago or whatever for Easter, that you know he was putting great at that point. But you know, it's just it's crazy. He is so almost inconsistent. Whereas I mean, I think at, during his big run, we were probably looking at like he's going to be one of the best putters of all time. And he's just so inconsistent. Well, I think like, so you've mentioned uh, Jordan being your favorite player. I think he's like a, he's easily like a top five favorite of mine of all time. But when I think about Jordan, like hitting the ball this well, and then maybe returning to the way he used to putt, I, maybe I'm just on this like cloud nine of seeing Scotty perform the way he's performed. And we hadn't seen that in like 20 years, but like, it really gets me thinking that like Jordan could easily do that without it. Like, you know, as long as he gets his putter somewhere in the middle of the field, it's going to be outrageous. Well, he kind of did that year. He won the masters in the U S open. I mean, he was on a historic run that year. I don't know how much money he made, but I mean, when I think of what Scotty's doing right now, that's the early, the most recent case that I can think of is what Jordan did a few years ago when, when he wanted a, <clears throat> What was that course out in Washington? Oh, uh, Chamberbell. Or, or yeah, Chambers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so did Jordan, did he like crack the top 10 or 20 of all I think time he moved now? moved into 11th 
all time. He, he cracked the $50 million mark. $55 million, yeah. Uh, so like he's, I think, I think Sergio is the next in front of him at 10. Like He's like only got like $4 million or so. And obviously, a lot of that's going to come in you know, terms of how. Yeah, I saw the stat was that uh, every shot that Jordan has played on the PJ Tour, he's made like sixty grand. Yeah, it's, like it's absurd. It's incredible. It's crazy. But, I mean, it kind of like, it's wild to look at him like that he's that far up even though he's been so inconsistent, but he's one of like the active players with the most wins in terms of other players on tour that, you know, have more wins that are quote unquote active. It's really just like Tiger Phil, DJ Rory and Adam Scott. And there's so many other big names that have been around for so long that just have never won. Like he does. It's kind of like puts his whole career in perspective and he's only 28. Yeah. And it's really cool to see, see him kind of start to make a comeback a little bit. I mean, he won for the first time in forever about a year ago. And he's one of those guys in golf. I mean, as golfers go, there's not many more guys more entertaining to watch than him. I mean, it's the Jordan experience out there. I mean, he's living and dying on every single shot and, and definitely a, a good personality out there for the tour. I actually feel bad for our listeners that Tyler's not with us today because Tyler is a, an active a hater of the way Jordan talks in the golf course. And I wish he was here to, to kind of counter this stance, but I agree that there's not too many more people more entertaining on the course than Jordan. And I will say that this new swing change that he's going through, I kind of feel like when I watch him now, I don't like, I don't know. I'm not holding my breath as much as I used to with the old Jordan. Cause the old Jordan could kind of hit some shots that you were just like, how are you even on tour? But I think that he's been working so hard on his swing now that it just seems like he's really got a groove here. And it, it could go week to week, but it just seems like he's eliminating some of his big misses. Yeah, you're just holding your breath whenever he has a putter in his hand. I, and that's sad. But I think, well, I think, too, that strokes gained and how poorly he performed this week has a lot to do with that 18-incher he missed on, on yeah. Saturday. It was just kind of a tap-in that he just wasn't paying attention and just 360 around the cup. I think he, he probably loses, like, a stroke and a half to the field just on that putt or something like that. Yeah, his wife came out and, like, told him just flat out, you just need to, like, not do anything for five seconds before you putt and like just clear your mind. And he was like, yeah, I had to listen to her. And he did it. it a, he did it a couple of weeks ago at Valero too. Didn't he had like a four putt yeah, on one of these three, yeah. three putted from three feet or something. And it's We've such an anomaly. There. It's very relatable. That's, that's one of the reasons it's I such love an, Jordan. It's such an anomaly. It's not something you can like really put your finger on why he's doing it. But. Do you think like this kind of fit the formula for him to win? Like he wasn't in one of the final pairings. He kind of came from behind and put up a low number and was sitting in the clubhouse for like up to, what was it like an hour and a half? And he doesn't have to deal with the, all the kind of like, maybe some of the nerves and some of the talking to himself kind of stuff he gets into sometimes. Like this was actually perfect for him. Yeah. I was flabbergasted that the field stalled as hard yeah. as they did. I mean, Shane got it to 14. Yeah, what in the world happened with some Shane of Shane doubles that par three. I think, I don't know if he hits in the water or what happens, but yeah, these guys, I don't think anyone on the top of the leaderboard that was, you know, like Van Ruyen or Lowry or Cantlay, yeah. I don't think anybody played better than maybe one under on that back nine. I mean, cause it was about the time that Spieth finished. I guess Lowry had a one- or two-stroke lead on him at that point in time, yeah. and then Lowry just, again, doesn't want to win a tournament, thinking back to the Honda a few weeks ago. But, I mean, he he's top, always there, though. He he's topped the there, ball though. on the back nine. I mean, like a wow. hacker out there, weekend warrior. So, yeah, like nobody wanted to win this thing. So I mean, he had so many guys. You got HV3, Eric Van Ruyen, Patrick Cantlay, and then Lowry. All these guys are within one shot of speed, either a, a ahead or behind and they just seem to crumble i mean i know that that course is definitely tough down the stretch and jordan to his credit kind of stumbled around the turn but then really got it going he birdied 18 in regulation which we saw you know at least one bogey in the playoffs so kudos to him but the course plays hard but these guys certainly stumbled coming into the finish i thought it was an interesting playoff to watch just because obviously two big names of can't land him but then jordan had an hour and a half off and can't went right into it and they seemed uh 
I don't know, like they know each other really, really well. And they were kind of smiling, walking up to the, the tee box. And one question I had is how do they decide who goes first? Is that determined by them or the, the officials? Well, it's changed with COVID, but now I think they've really adopted this permanent rule of whoever finished first goes first. It oh, used to okay. be a literal, like draw the shortest straw or draw out of a hat. Yeah, I was going to say thing. they used to like just draw a number out of a hat. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, they were kind of like him and uh, Cantley were kind of going back and forth, like chumming up a little bit, talking on the tee box, like kind of funny. We're both here. Right. And then like, they didn't seem like that serious. I know they were super serious, but it didn't seem like they were like kind of uh, trying to rip each other's hearts out or anything, but I yeah, guess it's I, natural. Well, I think Jordan too was probably just like elated to be there. I think that he was yeah, happy to yeah, post yeah, 13 under, yeah. but I don't think he think he thought he had much of a chance. Um, but to your point, Ken, I think it's a good question. Let's, let's pass it around. Would you rather have been Cantley coming off the course or would you rather have been Jordan fresh off of like a range session and some putting? I think that's tough. I mean, I didn't get to watch a lot of it. It was, you know, with family and stuff on Sunday. But I mean, if Cantley, like, did he, was he like birdie in the last couple of holes, like to get to that? I think he went birdie, birdie par. Yeah, birdie 17 party. Some momentum. I, I, yeah, I feel like I'd rather have some sort of momentum rather than sitting and not, you, know, you don't know how that range session was going. And obviously the, the practice green, all that kind of stuff doesn't doesn't ever roll just like what's happening out on the course. And so I, I definitely would rather be like playing and in some sort of groove rather than sitting around for a while. Yeah. I think the only thing I would say is that I think I'd rather be as long as you can keep yourself occupied mentally and not let it get to you. But in Jordan's position too, he kind of knows he's going to hit three wood, six iron on 18. That's a good point. So he's hit, he's out there just grooving three woods, grooving six irons. And true. You know, yeah. maybe that's why he came up short because I think he kind of flared his three wood out to the right. Maybe he didn't take enough club in the green. I know it was windy, but well, he got a chance to have a snack, so that's probably helpful. It is nice to have a break. I don't know. It's kind of hard to like you know after you, after you play eighteen holes, you're pretty exhausted. So having a little break, you know, you get to really kind of recoup. It seemed like they were so exhausted they forgot where the eighteenth hole was because when he went <laughs> back out on the course. I think they drove the entire front nine <laughs> to get to 18, and then his caddy forgot his bib, and so it was, they were all out of sorts getting back out there. I was shocked that Cantlay didn't hit the green after seeing Jordan put it in the sand. It was like, I mean, he had the distance dialed up, man. I was, yeah, I think that Jordan mentioned that he caught a gust of wind. I mean, I yeah. still... I, Cantley was a solid 10 or 15 yards short there. I, I, I mean, wind is, I mean, even if it gets up to like 30 mile an hour, I'm kind of surprised he came up that short. Well, what he had, he had like 170 something yards into that hole into the wind, which maybe he didn't realize, but he was hitting a nine iron. Oh, uh, so it was like a purely a missed club, really. Well, I, oh, I don't know because the announcers were saying that, oh, well, he hits more piercing ball flights, so he doesn't need to worry about the wind, but like, he hit it just as high as Jordan did, and the wind clearly caught it because it came straight down, and that's why he had the plugged lie. So I think I it's a really good comment. I think it's a good comment. I mean, I think that he's probably he's just playing for the perfect conditions there. When if you know, knowing that Jordan's in the bunker, I mean, I know like when it comes to you get into this like match play type of mind, like you just got to believe Jordan's probably going to get up and down, maybe even make it, which he almost did. <laughs> but so Cantley's probably just kind of still playing for birdie. But I think you're probably right. He probably should have just clubbed up a little bit and tried to tried to take the wind out of it. Cool. Well, what, speaking of that 18th hole, I think we were all a little bummed. That's like the iconic place down there in Hilton Head, that candy cane lighthouse. You couldn't even see it. Yeah, I was just so upset. And on like, Thursday you know, morning, you're watching, you know, just got it pulled up on TV, and you finally get to the 18th hole, and it's just like, where, where is it? It's like the you just see like the, the, you little see the top, top of it. Yeah. Just hey, you, you don't get any of the fun the part. Just yeah. the tip. Yeah, where is Tippy? Oh. But it was just like, R.I.P. It just, he's not dead, just so everyone knows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What can they do? What do they got to change about this? I think they got to just rip rip those stands out, and they got to take advantage of all that water. Like they have, there's just could be boats, you know, fucking catamarans, all sorts of shit out well, there. Well, then you're blocking the view of the Calabogie Sound or whatever. I'm not saying you there. just have fucking pack like the fucking two seventy. I'm saying you just got you know like twenty boats out there spread around accordingly with you know 25, 30 people on each boat. 
with a bar on it, they'd be having a grand old fire. I'm not sure I watched this thing that closely last year, but I thought I remembered seeing that damn lighthouse. And, yeah, like, you literally did, couldn't see like it that. at all. It wasn't like that last year. I think I think this is, like, a key thing for us to look out for as we move forward in tournaments is, like, one, one of the themes, I think, if we look at the last, like, 10 episodes or so we've been talking about is, like, the fan experience and how to kind of, uh, you know, stemming from our conversations we had with, like, the Waste Management Phoenix Open and stuff with the Masters and, like, seeing how they're adapting to the post-COVID fan life, trying to get, like, an uptick in the atmosphere. And, like, that that means generally getting more people out there. And I think I was thinking about this today. It's kind of like um, if you're putting an addition on a house, like the original house was designed, like, as the designer intended, like, whether it's Pete Dye, whoever, like, there's this vista yeah. to the lighthouse and you can see out. And it's, like, connection to nature, all this stuff. And then, like, it's kind of like adding an addition just in the wrong spot and you just put a ton of, you know, you just kind of you're prioritizing short-term gain over kind of the long-term yeah. experience. So I think like some courses have done it well and some haven't. Like we saw at Riviera, there was kind of this, it was kind of up on a hill, right? In the Masters, mm-hmm. you have like grandstands, like natural slopes on the 12th and you have the 16th par three where there's kind of the grandstand on the side. So I think there's different ways to do it, but this, I don't think smacking it right in the middle of the most iconic view, I don't think was the right move. Yeah, it kind of felt like they were almost trying to capture some of the stuff you see at a lot of like the TPC courses where it is that stadium mm-hmm. style where everyone, you're right on top of each other, but it really t- took away so much of it. But, I mean, at the same time, we've been talking so much about like how fun that is at like the waste management or even at like the players that you're all on top for those big yeah. shots, those iconic holes. But I think it, I think it was a miss for sure. Well, I think the big thing is like if you're looking at the hole or look past the hole, right? Because like waste management, you're trying to just like look at this. You're trying to just look at the hole and everyone's kind of surrounding it. It's like the inside experience. Yeah, internal, yeah. Whereas like a lot of these courses are like, especially the ocean courses and the bayside courses are designed to look very far, mm-hmm. like past and out. So something to think about like that classic approach to the clubhouse I think is uh something we should look out for yeah I think it's just a case of them packing in as many people as they can Mm -hmm. especially around that 18th hole but I think Ken you brought it up like at Augusta the 18th hole it's just people standing around in a circle they don't really have a ton of grandstands over there I think there's room just thinking about the layout of that 18th hole there's room to put grandstands along the right side um maybe leading up to the clubhouse leave the lighthouse exposed I don't know about, I think most of the left side, we talked about put like boats or whatever. Um, most of that left side is like marshland. So I don't know. They might be a little, <laughs> just sinks. A little <laughs> restricted like a there. Boardwalk or something. Um, they did have like two giant yachts pulled up on the left side <laughs> of the street, which I kept saying, oh, if I was playing this hole, those two yachts would definitely be like, <laughs> a little tug to the left. But yeah, I think in my, if, I, if we're thinking about how to fix it, I think just kind of build the grandstands up on the right side and then leave that lighthouse. Experience. I think you may just pick another hole too. True. Like, I mean, I really don't think that 18 brings so much to the table that it's so iconic. And like when the tournament is like the, when the ultimate hole is the 18th hole, like it's sawgrass, even though 17 is really great. That 18th at sawgrass is just into, there's just nothing much exciting about this. hole. it's like, you know, three wood, seven iron for these guys. It's, they could definitely, I think that 17 is the, the par three, kind of the wind off the sound. They could put the huge grandstands around it into the right and it wouldn't lose much to the aesthetic. Yeah. Cause I mean, exactly. It's a perfect point. Like the whole point of that 18th hole is that it's beautiful. Not, right. not that, you know, anything crazy is usually going to be happening. Well, unfortunately with this 18th hole, our boy and spotlight player from this past week, Morgan Hoffman bogeyed it in the late second round to miss the cut by one, a really impressive week for a guy that hasn't played in four years. Um, I'm really excited for him. His game looked really solid. I think that's understandably what we've talked about uh, with his muscle issues. Uh, his swing speed was pretty low, but man, the guy still had it. Yeah. I mean, he honestly looked great. Like he was playing with HB three and Fitzpatrick and, they were consistently out driving him. Like I was looking at like following like the tracker cause they didn't have much coverage only like on certain holes and like his ball speed, his uh, swing speed was all like significantly lower, right. but 
he was pretty consistently like hitting it like in the fairway or in good spots and his it seemed like his long iron play was really solid so he was it almost felt like he like he knew he wasn't going to be able to like crush it and he like focused a lot maybe on those long iron play and i did notice he also he was like plus like strokes gain putting was like 1.56 it's really on the solid field. i mean it's significantly better than the guy that won the tournament mm. uh, so i mean <laughs> like it, it was it was really cool to see that like he Definitely still has the ability to play, just has to kind of play a little bit different way than what we're used to seeing with that. Just try to hit the ball as far as possible and then figure it out from there, approach. I really love seeing some of these guys that come back after long layoffs, and Morgan's is extensively long. But yeah, usually their short game and putting is just super tidy because it's like whatever they're dealing with, they can just chip and putt all day, kind of like Tiger, right? Mm-hmm. And Bryson, I bet when Bryson comes back and when we saw him pre, you know, briefly this year, his putting was really good. His driving wasn't, but his putting was. It was really interesting with the, uh, I think, Thursday, Friday coverage. I think ESPN did a pretty good job of covering him. I mean, here's a guy who's kind of irrelevant unless you're really into golf, but they really kind of spotlighted him just as, you know, we kind of talked about and went through a lot of the trials and tribulations he went through. So it was kind of cool to have that human interest story that you can kind of follow on the beginning rounds. Oh, it was so brutal watching because I'll give you that. They did do a pretty good job of showing the big moments in his game like when he he went in the water i think uh, on the first par three that he had on his on thursday and drops or whatever and then makes this long like putt out of the rough to save par and it was just awesome and they got there right away which was really cool but it was just so defeating i gotta say watching him play i think i think he finished on the ninth hole rather than the 18th he like he hit like an he tried to take iron off the tee and tried to like be strategic because he knew like oh if i get par here you know, I'll be right, and he ends up in the trees, and he has this like obnoxious punch shot, and just goes right over the fucking green, and he's just you know, chipping two putt from there. It was so upsetting, and you knew I was following along the whole time on like the PGA Tour app, trying to see like, oh, is it gonna move? This tournament has like the record for the most people making the cut. I think it was like ninety three back in like twenty fourteen, uh-huh. and it was such bad conditions on exactly. Friday. It was it, it, open. It kept, it was it kept move. falling back a little bit, and it was get got so fucking close. Telly, is it true that you were um, eating grapes and drinking your own? <laughs> <laughs> I, I neither ate grapes or consumed my own urine. Drinking yeah. your own piss while watching this. Well, thing. I think so. We 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 included. Out, sorry, I, I say we. It was me. I included Morgan Hoffman in our long shots to make the cut at plus one fifty, and I think when I put it on there, I was kind of like. This is such a bad bet. Like this guy's been playing golf in so long, and I was so pleased to see him like play really pretty solid. Well, he was only carrying it like what two forty off the tee. His swing speed was like barely over hundred. Which I mean, I guess this was probably the perfect course for him to come back to because we talked a little bit about it last week. But you don't really need to necessarily hit it long as long as you're hitting it in the right spots. Which it sounds like on that his last hole he didn't, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I think this was a, a good course for him to come back to where he didn't have to hit it. We said his swing speed well, was isn't average like one sixty or one. Oh, swing speed's probably like one eighteen. Uh, 116. Oh, I was thinking ball speed. Yeah, ball speed. Yeah, 180, and he was in the low 160s. Yeah. Like I was looking at some of the stats. I think he is more like online with a like maybe like speed wise like a scratchish kind of golfer, right? Versus like the tour pros are you know obviously significantly faster. Yep, agree. So a really great performance from our boy Morgan Hoffman. A really great week at the RBC Heritage. Uh, But in other news this week, we got some people that look like they're kind of fully committing to the Saudi league. Not like no verbal confirmations from these guys, but we got. We got Kevin Na, Bubba Watson. What are some other names? I think it was uh, in the article that came out. It was Bubba, Kevin Na, uh, Jason Kokrak, Lee Westwood, and Ian Poulter. Uh, some of those names maybe not so surprising, but I think the big one for me was Bubba was a, a real shock to me. I mean, it was, he's that he's almost like one of those like darlings of the PGA Tour in a way. Like especially with he's so involved with everything at Augusta National, like all the, the drive, chip, and putt stuff. You know, former Masters champion, and you know he's allegedly committed. Uh, I think. 
Norman's been like quoted saying, I have a, uh, you know, former uh, major champion, two-time major champion at my house, you know, just the other day kind of shit. And like, he's in Florida. Bubba's also in that Florida area. So it's kind of, that one really kind of caught me off guard. Yeah. I think whether you agree with this whole concept or if you think that the sports watching thing just makes it unbearable. I think about a guy like Bubba Watson and and if he goes for this and he does this, he's going to make a lot of money, but then he's also a guy that gives back a lot. Right. So I think he's probably going to improve his, you know, he's from Baghdad, Florida. He's probably going to improve his community as well. Like, I mean, I think I, I was actually shooting the shit with Matt cause Kevin Na is like his favorite golfer. And I was like, hi, oh, he sold out to the Saudis, but Kevin Na, another guy that's like really growing the game in South Korea. Right. Like these guys, you know, I think that they're going to use the money that they make, obviously, for generational wealth. But there's a lot of really good things that come ancillary out of this that's not all bad. Yeah, I mean, with the exception of Ian Poulter, who I hate. I mean, all the, all the guys are, like, really, you know, seemingly good guys that don't, they don't have, like, a bad reputation or a questionable reputation in any way. So, I mean, hopefully that would be the case if they do go that way, that they use all the money in the a growth sort of method. Yeah. It was really interesting last night. I think it came out. I think Golf Magazine or somebody reported that Robert Garrigus was the first person to formally Whoa. apply for an exemption <laughs> Trailblazer. from the PGA Tour. And it's just funny to think about. Not that they actually Who? bought this, but like you know, Live Golf saying, "All right, great guys, we got Robert Garrigus. Next stop, we got hey, Rom and Rory. Like hey, you know, hey, we PR start guy. with Garrigus. That's going to bring everybody else in." <laughs> Robert Garrigus, a guy that had like I guess like a probably like a two to three year run where he was like decent but my goodness like that just don't think that's a name that your pr person goes like get it out get it to the press get it it's hot but but i think we're starting to hit up on the uh deadline for that first saudi event in london i think you have to have 30 45 days something to apply for an exemption so we should start to hear a lot more names here in the next week or two yeah and definitely worth noting that all those guys we listed that have came out in that article no one has actually verbally committed i think Bubba posted like on Instagram or something his schedule for the summer and it didn't include any of those, but it also never came out and said he wasn't doing it. And I think Kevin Na, when asked about it, said, oh, lots of rumors go out there, but again, didn't deny that he was going to be playing in it. So it's definitely something to keep watching. What is the benefit of them kind of like holding this information back at this point? If they know they're going to do it, is it just they don't want to be the first one to like put their name out there and be the next Phil? I don't think the PGA Tour is like fully said what they're going to do like it's kind of been like vague threats but there hasn't been any like official statement like if you do this this is happening it's just kind of like all been in like those like backdoor meetings that you know oh you're gonna do this rather than anything that's actually on paper you're fucked if you do this but i i think there's also something to nobody wants to be the first because robert mcnanus it could easily be you know (laughs) ian poulter's like all right i'll lead the charge i'll put my name out there first and fully commit he gets like trashed in the media and then everybody else is just like oh well shit i can't join this i'm gonna lose all my sponsorships and then nobody joins so i think there's a lot of people timid about being the first name out there to D- didn't phil though already take is, is phil like still maybe gonna do this was he is he out of this no, he, he, right? no i think that phil along with other big names are just like they all just they're all signing like non-disclosure agreements and kind of all have this ability that they've all pretty much signed like I, I assume they've signed like somewhat of intelligent contracts that if things go south and the PGA Tour really does follow through on a ban or something like that they have the ability to get out so that's why they're really probably not releasing it until they get official communication from the PGA Tour. It seems like old, like older European players, people like Poulter and stuff like it might maybe it makes more sense for them like we talked about last week like kind of end of career people have nothing not much to lose image wise are probably going to do this thing. Yep, sure. totally agree. So in the coming weeks, we should look forward to some some finalized lists from Live Golf in the Saudi League. Looking forward to it. Uh, we'll catch you here in a few seconds to talk about the upcoming week of the Zurich Classic.
All right, a fun week coming up this week at the Zurich Classic down at TPC Louisiana. For all of our listeners, this is a fun one to tune into. It's an alternate scoring format, a two-man event. Rounds one and three, they'll be playing four ball, or everyone will be playing their ball down, and their two-man team will count the lowest score on the hole. And then rounds two and four are going to be alternate shot. And I think that all of us, along with every other amateur, just cringes when they think about alternate (laughs) shot. Like letting your partner down, like not making a putt, it's just like the ultimate consequence. Um, But let's kick it around to the guys. we got some really cool pairings this week. One I'm looking out for is uh, Ben An and Sung JM, two South Korean-born young players. Uh, Ben An, a student of our our fan and coach, Sean Foley. He's been firing up some numbers, too. He shot 62 last week on the Corn Ferry to only lose by a couple shots. And then we know Sung Jay is kind of getting back in form for the season. So who else are we looking for? I'm really excited to watch uh, Sam Burns and, and our boy Billy Billy. Like Obviously, these are both guys we've talked about a few different times. Ben picked Sam Burns a few weeks ago, and then Billy Billy is just a fucking lightning rod out there. He's he's just a fun guy. That kind of very wears his, wears his emotions on his sleeves. One of those guys, you'll see him toss a club around a bit, and Sam Burns, I feel like, is a little... Little more, you know, under control. So I think it'll be kind of exciting to watch the the fire and ice kind of combo there. And Sam Burns quite like a he's a bomber, man. He's like probably top ten on tour in distance. And then Billy Billy Billy's like one of the better iron and wedge players. So if they get it going on these par fours and they start doing, you know, every tee shot is is Burns and then Billy sticking it close. I mean, that could be a lot of fun to watch. And they've both been playing really well lately. So I think it should be a, a at least a competitive one there. For Are sure. they the odds? Who's the odds on favorites? They're plus twelve hundred. Uh, I think it's, it's more Colin more and then oh, wow. Shaw. Are Morikawa and Hovland in like the single digits? Uh, Yeah, I think Morikawa, Hovland, and Cantley and Shoffley are both like plus eight hundred on Facebook. That's a powerhouse. That's an interesting pairing. Now, how do you think that came to be? Are they are they friends? And I mean, Burns and Billy? No, no, uh, Morikawa and and Hovland. They they just play everything together and like, hey, you want to do this? Probably just their taste of music. (laughs) (laughs) Big metalheads. Yeah, I think Colin came out on Twitter like. I don't know what the hell we're going to do for our walk-up song because I do not <laughs> listen to this fucking metal. <laughs> oh, yeah, for all of our listeners, the first tee, all four days, I think, the teams walk out of, like, this big opening and they shake some hands and they got whatever music they want playing. And <clears throat> when John Rahm and Ryan Palmer won this, they played, like, some down-home Alabama song and John Rahm is like, I don't have any clue what they're saying. <laughs> I think it's clear, like, seeing a lot of these pairings that uh, some of the guys just team up with their buddies and some guys are a little more strategic about it. What you guys say? Like, they're just trying to actually win? Like. For for sure. Murakawa and Hovland are like two of the best golfers in the world. So like, let's just win this thing. Right? I certainly think their friendship is not born like some they're of these other college guys. buddies. Right. Or they're they're not, not like childhood from, friends, right? Both yeah. from Texas yeah, or whatever. But thinking of their games, I don't really know if they complement each other that well. They're kind of both really good at the same thing. They, their strength are their iron play. So like, we were saying they're going to hit everything to like three feet and then just miss the putt. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the logic. Like, like they're at least going to get tour, plenty of great opportunities to get the birdie. They're just not going to convert that much. Yeah, the, the two days of best ball, they're going to light the world on fire. I think they played each other in this past Ryder Cup and had a best ball of 59. So Jesus. I think they have the capability to go stupid low. But when we look at alternate shot, Two guys without much of a short game, I think it's going to be a big liability for him. Yeah, I think Tell you got one here that I would have loved to have seen, and that would be Joel Damon and Harry Higgs, Ugh. but they got their own boys, their college boys. But yeah, I mean, Higgs is playing with like a college boy for like his roommate or something like that, but I was really looking forward after the, you know they had their whole take their shirts off and stuff at the waste management that we were going to going to see some electricity there, but you know they chose to go a different path. I respect it, but I'm disappointed in them. I'm looking forward to watching uh, Cam Smith, Mark Leishman. These are the... Uh, they won last year, so they're looking to defend their title. And I, I believe this was where Cam Smith really kind of created his persona as the guy with the mullet here last year. Right? Already, he hasn't cut it since. <laughs> so, you know, I've really enjoyed watching him play over the last few weeks. And 
and you know a sign of things to come they're going to be teaming up at the uh president's cup here later in the year so this is looking to be a pretty formidable duo i would think i think these guys get to play get together a lot they kind of i think they live close yeah. to each other in florida when they're playing during the season and then like there really is so much camaraderie here right i guess we're, we're going to talk about here like what what's your ideal partner but for these guys i mean Mark is kind of like a bit of a mentor to Cam as well, but now Cam is better. So these guys, their chemistry is unbelievable. I think you think about like your old college roommate and stuff like that, but these guys are around each other pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. The other cool thing about this is obvious is like the international showcase, you know, like Joaquin Mito and the South, the South Koreans, the South Africans. It's just like, it's almost like a mini point of pride for everybody. It's just really exciting to see like whether they, um, you know, the walk-up song and the kind of the fans that follow them and maybe some of the outfits and stuff. I don't know. It's something to look out for on the fashion side, too. I know we talked about how to try to get to the women's game in more and, and inter- intertwine it with the men's game. I think it like I would love to see this kind of format in the Olympics, too, whether it's yeah, men oh and yeah, women or two cool. men. Yeah, like the yeah, two like, team, the two man or two man and woman event would be so much more fun to watch. You're playing for the flag on your sleeve versus, you know, your own pride or whatever. Yeah. And the, in, in the Olympics is just so individual right now. Like it's certainly Xander represented America when he won. But it just felt like, I don't know, it didn't feel as organic as if it was like two guys really hyping each other up, kind of like the Ryder Cup is. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's one of my favorite parts. Of yeah. It gives that little like that taste of the Ryder Cup. Same energy, yeah. 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 And uh, this is cool too. It's a little bit different than the Ryder Cup because the Ryder Cup's match play. This is stroke play where every shot matters so much more. Like in match play, you hit a terrible shot, you, all you do is lose one hole, whereas in this format, you could lose a couple strokes. Yeah, there's no gimmies. You know, the ball's got to yeah. get in the hole. Uh, another group that I think is just it's it's kind of just interesting to look at is the Scotty Scheffler and Ryan Palmer, more so because like, people seem to want to play with Ryan Palmer. I don't know what what he's got going for him, but his last few partners, obviously Scotty this year, then he had um, Rom the previous. He's got year, a lot of blackmail and, material and, on everybody, <laughs> and before that it was Speed. So he's just like, wait, he, really? He, yeah, he gets just like top guys that just want to play with him. I don't top know what tier. it is about him, but. I don't know if I've told you guys this story. I probably have. But when my dad and I were marshalling at the, an event at Congressional, I think it was the AT&T at the time. This was probably like eight or ten years ago. Nice. It was uh, It was like a, they had really bad weather, so the guys came back really early on like the Saturday to finish up their second round. It's like 7 a.m. Ryan Palmer had finished the parts where he's coming to our par 4 tee box to start his day. And he gets up on the tee box. He rips a huge fart, and it's like six <laughs> seconds long. And he kind of looks around. He looks at me and my dad because we're like the only ones standing there. The camera guy's not even there yet. He looks at us, and he goes, box digs at the hell tail, man. Can't tell you what. <laughs> Maybe that's why him and Scotty are paired together. that's why together. everyone loves Ryan Palmer. He's a really camera last certified week. good guy. <laughs> Colin, how, how you feeling about the uh, Bubba HV3 Jordan pairing? Uh, yeah, that's that's the group I have my eye on. You talk about Bubba and HV3, two guys with huge personalities out there. Obviously, both Jordan reps, so you know they're going to have a great shoe selection this week. But I also think they complement each other's games pretty well. Um, it Just looking at HV3 stats a little bit today, he's I think he's like 120-plus on tour strokes gained off the tee, but he's top 50 in every other category. So, like, you combine that with Bubba's drives, uh, I think that's a really good yeah. pairing. So, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see them at the top of the leaderboard this week. Yep, I agree. I think that kind of takes us into our topic of like, you know, what are you looking for in your partner if you're doing a two-man event? I think that the complimenting games is really good. The cohesion of knowing someone for a long time is really good. What else are you guys looking for? What about like lefty-righty combo? Is that in, does that play into it? <laughs> it's like baseball lineup, bat one, bat two? The pitchers. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. No, I'm definitely looking for someone that like I just want to be around for 
you know, hopefully in this case, four days straight, and if not more, and just where you like, you, you kind of have that camaraderie. We kind of talked about with Leishman and Cam Smith that it's just like being able to relate, you know, kind of pick him up when you're down sort of situation rather than, you know, a situation where you're like, oh, I don't really know you, but I wanted to play in this event kind of thing. So I'm definitely looking for someone that I'm good buddies with. Do you want someone that's like similar, acts similar to you or someone that is like much more high strung when you're a little bit more cool, like, you know, Collins a little bit more, you know, he runs like a, you know, a third gear versus maybe like me and Tully get a little hot sometimes. Or would you rather someone who's more like, you know, your temperament? I want whoever has the, the beers in the bag. That's what I want. Collins secretly seething though until he fucking explodes. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Me and Colin never get paired together, but I think like me and him would be a really good partnership because I guess I can get mad sometimes, but I'm generally the one that's always picking everyone up and like really positive. So when someone gets down, so I think when you're looking for a partner, I think that temperament plays a lot of a big role into it. And I think looking at these pairings, I think that's what a lot of these guys go for on tour. Um, we've seen Kisner and Scott Brown have a lot of success here. Those are just two South Carolina guys that play together all the time on their days off. They typically do pretty well too. Right? Mm -hmm. Can I ask a maybe dumb question on alternate shot? Do you like say if you finish the hole, does the other person have to start it or is it hole by hole? Usually they'll alternate tees. Yeah, you always alternate tee shots. Mm. So yeah. regardless of who finishes the hole, it's so whoever some, teed off on the last hole, it's the other guy. So someone can't take all 18 drives. So you just it. when you start the round, you Got get it, evens, yeah. I get odds kind of thing. Got it. Yeah, the other thing, crazy thing about alternate shot is for these guys, they're using a different golf ball than what they're used to. It's a big, big thing <laughs> to talk about, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. I mean, you think about it, a lot of these guys, are, I mean, it's like you think all these tour golf balls are, are similar, but they're really not. Like a lot of these guys are playing balls that spin more for a reason. So I know like uh, I think when they when they get they have to play the same ball the whole entire hole or when they get yeah. on the green, they can change it. Or is they can it? probably do it on the green. They can probably switch. But I mean, that realistically, in my opinion, that's probably where, like it's the least important. You know, like I know there's all sorts of technology, but it's the spin that is really fucking mattering. So if you're a betting man, you should find the pairing that plays the same, same ball. ball. That's some yeah. research. That smart. Number that's one smart. ball in golf. That's mm. smart. I do always look forward to the time whenever someone makes a putt and they go to like put the ball in their pocket, then they realize they got to throw it to their partner because it's their ball. So it's always like <laughs> some awkward moments. It's pretty funny. So we'll just give you a quick little update. It's talking about alternate alternate scoring formats. Our league just started. So Dubby's out for the first couple months, but me, Colin, and Tully are, are humming. We didn't have a great week the to start people off. People are waiting. The people want to know. Humming's man. a strong word there ben the weather has been brutal we have had some bad weather but uh we do have one notable sandbagger in our league yeah, which gomez oh we'd love your comments we'll make an instagram post let us know what you think about sandbaggers but uh yeah this guy came in with like a 16 handicap on nine and shoots like 43 the first week seven over versus his 16 handicap all right so let's baseline this a little bit what did you all start off the league at like what's your handicap <laughs> So we can see whether or not you're sandbagging throughout. So I think go. I got a, I was at like a 6.6 for nine holes, just to clarify, this is a nine hole league. So at the course we play, based off all that, I get like eight strokes a, a nine. Okay. I was at a five to start, and I think my first round I missed last week, but my first round I shot a 46, so not, not a but great it was start raining. for me. It was windy and raining yeah, and cold, was, right? I was hitting at about 180 in the air and getting zero <laughs> yards of roll. Well, I think the key to our league is to play like very mediocre throughout the season and have your handicap go up slightly, so then when you get to the playoffs, you kick it next gear and you're getting like 10 shots, but you're shooting like low 40s. Ben, what's your handicap, 0.2? No, I got a zero, and it sucks. <laughs> no, and it sucks. I was playing really good at the end of the last season. I was like, I, I think I start most seasons probably at like a two or a three, but last year I played really solid and it just kept trending down and now I haven't I think I broke I shot 39 into 40 so I'm just like 
pure middle of the pack right now. I just I have no chance of winning each month unless my handicap goes up a little. <laughs> You're one over going into the night into the last hole, right? Yeah, double, double the last. Yeah, you suck. I double. need to make more birdies because we do Stableford scoring, so it's like you know you get more points for birdies versus bogeys. So if you make a bogey, you just get like no points on the hole, but when you make a birdie, you get three points. So it's all about like being a little bit more aggressive out there. And right? with getting no strokes or one stroke, you're never getting those net birdies that you know those other high handicaps get so easily. <laughs> that was weird. Hell yeah. Can we <laughs> can watch sometime? Can we come oh, out there? Oh, yeah. Come, come follow us. Post we'll get, you, we'll get you media passes. You can caddy oh, for nice. me if you want. I'll do a live pod episode while you guys. I'll do a play-by-play one time. <laughs> Yeah. I think last week we had to speak about the birdies. Our, our competition last week, we do one every week, was most net birdies. I think some guy had like five. <laughs> I, even sniff, yeah, I didn't even sniff one. <laughs> How many listeners do you think we just lost? 100%? <laughs> well, maybe they just come out and watch the league. They'll be re-intrigued. Yeah, yeah Ken's going to film us this week. Yeah. Great. Right. So uh, in other news coming up, uh, we've heard about this new match, Match 6.0. Yeah, this is kind of – I don't. it's a little bit different. This is the first one that doesn't Who we actually, got in it? So it's, uh, it's going to be Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, who have both played in these before, versus uh, I think it's Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen. So it's the first one that does not have any uh, PGA Tour players on it, which is – a, a little bit different. I, I don't know how I feel. Mahomes put, good. I don't. I mean, oh, yeah. When athlete. I saw him playing the century tournament, century, he's probably like a mid eighties golfer. He hits the ball a freaking I, mile. I, I think all their handicaps yeah, were just posted, and they're all like between five and seven. I mean, they're all wow. so close. I don't know. I don't think Mahomes is that. I don't good. think so. The only highlights I ever see of him are him like in the trees hitting some miraculous <laughs> shot. <laughs> so it sounds just like his football game. He's just kind of making yes. no, something out of nothing. I know to bring everything into perspective, at the American Century, they do like a longest drive for the for the amateurs. And I think Mahomes and Kelsey hit at 340 and 360 on that all. I know, like, I think elevation in Reno is a little high, so it's going a little further. But, like, these are guys that don't golf, and they can just casually hit the ball, like, 320-plus. Yeah, I expect Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen to be just, you know, 40 yards ahead of Brady and Rodgers. But I kind of think their short game is going to be garbage. All I know is that if we can watch a match with Charles Barkley and be entertained, this should be a lot of fun. I think my, my view of it is, like, I feel like the football player thing is getting a little redundant. I feel like we should mix it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Peyton Manning, like, yeah. Just kind of get some other guys in there, or, or women. I, I don't know. I feel like it's we're just going to get every quarterback to well, play. Well, I think the problem you run into there is that like other, a lot of the other sports, for example, you're a big baseball guy. They're they're in season. This this all happens outside of it's true. those other seasons. Well, also, right. football is the biggest time. sport out there, so Easily you're drawing America. the most. They're just trying of, to make money on this yeah, thing. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's just like they're just trying to get butts and seats, I guess. I guess this one will be. I've liked it. The past couple have been free. I know when they started them, it was like a twenty dollars pay per view or something like yeah. that. But now they're free, which I think is way better. Yeah, but it's like six We're getting to like iPhone levels here. We're to like eleven point oh. Yeah. Like let's get some other people other than quarterbacks out there. Yeah, it is a shame that we're definitely. This is like the fourth time we've seen Tom Brady. So, but every you know, Rogers wants Mahomes and Allen. It, it's like a passing of the guard here, though, in terms of like NFL football. I mean, you got yeah. the young guns and you got the the old bucks. There really is nothing better yeah, than that I video. Agree. Good. Of Brady and Aaron and Rogers just throwing the ball together, the football. Like it's just like two old, two old guys throwing around the pigskin. It's like two future Hall of Famers and probably two of the best quarterbacks ever. Yeah, they were whipping it too. Yeah, and Phil could throw it really good. Yeah, Phil, Phil lefty, you know, he's just throwing it off and throws with his right hand. It's so weird. Like you know how like many guys are left-handed golfers and do everything with their right hand. That's Phil. This could be a. Pod. Do we know one of yeah. those? Do we know any of those? Yeah, Dub. This could be a pod. Uh, <laughs> we should do our favorite uh, the match pairings as like a pod yeah, intro or good. outro sometime. It'd be fun. None of them. They all like sucked. Bradley Cooper. No, like 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 who's your oh, our dream for? match? Who's our your dream rush? the match in twenty seven Collins. Who's your Rushmore of <laughs> Charlie? Whoa, Woods you're gonna pump the brakes there, bud. Yeah, oh, a father son would be fun. <laughs> Great. That does it for us, guys. Look forward to this week at the. 
Zurich Classic two-man event. Should be a lot of fun. Make sure to keep an eye on the LPGAs. They have the LA Open at Wilshire Country Club this week. And if you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. We'll see you next week.